Here's the question. How do you successfully transition into your first official leadership role, build the confidence and competence to lead your team effectively, and establish yourself as a respected and trusted leader across the organization? That's the question, and this show provides the answers. Welcome to the Manager Track Podcast. I'm your host, Ramona Shaw, and I'm on a mission to create workplaces where work is not seen as a source of stress, but as a source of contribution, connection, and fulfillment. And this transition starts with developing a new generation of leaders. I'm a leadership coach, a mom of three, a coffee lover, and a travel enthusiast. Stick around because in this show, you'll learn how to think, communicate, and act to become a confident, high-performing leader people love to work with. Let's go. Welcome to this episode of the Manager Track Podcast. I am thrilled to introduce you today to Mark Langley. Mark has been a director for, of talent acquisition at Rocket Fuel, Lending Homes, Eat Club, and most recently, Fandom. He has decades of experience in talent acquisition. Today, we're going to talk about helping new managers uh, build up hiring skills. Because what we know from a range of different studies is that 95% of employers admit that they make hiring mistakes. 80% of turnover is due to bad hire. 60% of bad hires will negatively affect the performance of other team members. So there's a ripple effect. And 39% of businesses report a productivity decrease as a result of bad hires. These are statistics published by CareerBuilder and Glassdoor. And so hiring is an important aspect of being a manager, being in a leadership role. It's part of your job description, most likely. But for most of us, hiring skills need to be developed and learned. And I can speak from personal experience. This is definitely something I had a steep learning curve. So today I'm excited to bring on Mark Langley. Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ramona. It's great to be here. And what I didn't mention in this quick introduction is that Mark and I have been working together, what, since like 2018? Yeah, it's been a few years. Few years that we've been coaching. It's been awesome to see Mark grow and expand in his roles over the last few years. And I just so appreciate you, Mark, with your awareness and your insights. But also, I know from coaching you over those years how strong your expertise is in talent acquisition. So there wouldn't be a better person to bring on the show to talk about this today. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you. So let's talk about the scenario. Imagine this, when we play this out, the, someone in the audience, someone's listening, has just been promoted to a new manager role and they're expected, the company is expecting steady growth in 2021. And this person has been told that they need to build up their team. Now, the problem is that they have never been fully in charge of hiring anyone They might have been part of the process, likely have been part of a hiring process in the past where they held a couple of interviews, but now it's their full responsibility. This new person is going to be on their team, which also means it's going to be their reputation that's at stake. So I'd love to talk about this particular scenario and how can we help this person be better prepared for that hiring process? Mark, what are your suggestions and advice as of do's and don'ts? Well, first of all, congratulations for, you know, being in management and now really starting to build your team. There's a, a lot of support out there 
for managers who are just starting to hire a lot. So I think one of the, the most important things I can recommend is definitely be listening to Ramona's podcast. Definitely go take a look at some of the leading <laughs> books. And remember that recruiting is uh, very much a science. Mm-hmm. And, and I know that we, we talk a lot about the art of recruiting, but there is a science behind it. And so the good thing is, the really exciting thing is that we've got about 100 years of data to help um, inform you on how to make a great hire. One of the things that is, that I, I will say are my number one suggestion is to really build out a strong hiring rubric. Mm-hmm. And that means that you've got your, your, your hiring against competencies, skills, and experience. Those are kind of the three main areas that you're gonna be interviewing and hiring against. For someone who's never heard of the rubric, can you tell us a little bit more about what what would differentiate like a skill from experience? What would fall under each of those? Yeah, Yeah, that's a great question. So a skill might be something like, let's say you are a a programmer and you can program in in C Sharp or or maybe you're a programmer in something like Java. That would be a skill. The experience would be using Java to build a one-page app that engaged your customers and sold customers. And that would be an experience. Mm-hmm. And then a competency, I think we talk a lot about in, in management training, but competencies are more of, of sort of a combination of skill and behavior and expertise. So a competency could be like negotiation skills mm-hmm. or a competency is really, really common in our business is change management. Yeah. So those would be the kind of the three major areas that you would build a rubric off of. And that would be if you really spent some time looking at this role and really figured out what your top three things that they want to accomplish that you need to accomplish, Mm -hmm. the top three competencies needed in order to be successful in that role. And if you spend your time up in the beginning on those three areas, you'll have about six bullets and you've just begun to create your job description. And your job description will be very accurate. Yeah. And I love that you emphasize the importance of the preparation part and not just jumping right into it, but really yeah. thinking about it ahead of time of what, what are those uh, skills and the competencies and the experience? Preparation is really the key, right, Ramona? I think that is if we ask what people sometimes don't do <laughs> is they yeah. don't prepare and if you really want, you really want to make a bad hire, like don't prepare. But if you <laughs> want to make a great hire, go ahead and take the time up front. Yeah. And and do the preparation. Because when you're in the middle of the process, you know, when you've got a candidate that you think you want to make an offer to, and they have a, like another offer from another company, your boss is pressuring you because you better make this hire. And by the way, your production is down. So you've got a lot of pressure, you know, on this hire. The biggest mistake you can make is to move too quickly and to not follow your process. And something that I actually have seen in the past is where people would just pull out because they want to go fast. So they pull out an old job description, maybe something that they used a year or two ago and (laughs) they look at it and like, yeah, sounds pretty good. Let's go with that. Never really looking at what does the business need, not up until today, but in the next 12 or 24 months, what will right. we need from this person who's going to be onboarded, That's right. you know, hired and onboarded, but by the time they're fully up to speed, what is it that I need from them then? That's right. Yeah. Which is changing in our, in our obviously rapidly evolving markets and, and 
and needs and demands. A lot of, especially smaller companies, I've seen them do this where it's like, oh, you know, we need to, you know, we've decided that we're going to hire blah, 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 an accountant or whatever it is we're going to hire. We don't normally necessarily hire this particular profession. So we haven't done the work to really scope it out. Mm -hmm. And what they do is they'll go to a larger Fortune 500 company, copy their um, job description Mm. and go from there. But the problem is, and this really is an issue, especially with the Fortune 500 company, they've spent a lot of time over every single word in that job description. And so it could actually be a good job description for, let's just say, Google. Yeah. But that won't be necessarily a good job description for you and your yeah. company. Yeah. So I think that's a, that's a shortcut that will end up um, hurting you in the long run. Yeah. So that gets you the wrong people in the door in the first place. What else? So what once they're in the door, let's assume we got the right people in the door. <laughs> what are other things to do well enough or to avoid? So the other thing that's really, really important is to make sure that you're validating your questions. And when you interview someone, you you, you have a finite amount of time and you really have a finite amount of questions you can ask. Most interviews are done in about four hours, three and a half, four hours worth of interviewing time. So that's not a lot of time Mm -hmm. to assess a performance, especially of a, a highly paid professional. That means that every single question you ask is going to be very, very important And I would highly recommend that we validate our questions. And by that, I mean, if the, you know, when we give tests to candidates, we always make sure that the tests are validated. In other words, we make sure that the tests really do assess the skill or the competency that we're looking for, Mm -hmm. and that we can expect to see a reasonably decent answer from a good candidate. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of questions that managers ask that may be good for one company, but may not be good for another. Or they may be appropriate for one team, but not necessarily for another. There's also questions that we ask that'll be really, really appropriate for, uh, let's say, a male, but was going to get different responses from a female. Oh, interesting. So, and, and so, well, Mark, how do we do that? How do we validate? Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. Tell us more. <laughs> All the things. <laughs> there's, there's more sophisticated validation out in the market when, when you're talking about real testing, but in... When you're talking about adding to your team, this, this is a, a small thing that I would do. Take these questions that you think are going to bring out the, the signals that you're looking for and go ask the people on the team and see mm-hmm. how your team actually responds to these questions. Mm-hmm. If you're still not sure that the question is going to give you the kind of signal you're looking for, you can introduce it into the process, but not wait it. What in does other that words, mean? Yeah. In other words, I can ask you, tell me about a time when you had a conflict with the boss, yep. because I think that's going to give us the kind of um, signal that we're looking for. We want someone who's not afraid to challenge the boss, let's say, mm-hmm. but we're not really sure if that's going to give us the kind of answer we want. We could actually ask that for a few rounds and mm-hmm. then inspect the answers and see if we're getting answers that are consistent mm-hmm. um, and see if we really can rely on these signals. Yep. But as you can see, you could get pretty detailed, but all of this prep has to be done beforehand yep. because while you're interviewing the candidate, while the candidate is in the process, you have time pushing you. Yeah. And it, uh, so true, right? And when you're already started the interview process, then you're constantly 
um, trying to keep up with your own job and all the things yeah. that you're doing anyways. Yeah. And usually you're over capacity and that's the reason why right. you're hiring. And on top of that, you have to invest in the hiring process. And so the idea of, hey, even now as you're anticipating maybe hiring in 2021, start collecting some questions, just have a note, you know, a a page up or a Google doc or somewhere where you start adding these questions and then thinking about them. I always found asking peers or even managers about questions and discussing them with them. That was helpful for me too. And then also splitting up if there's three people on the team who are interviewing Not just let everyone go in and just do their own interview, but to align who's going to ask what. That question about what are you going to do when you're in conflict with the boss might be better asked by a team member than by the boss itself to see, do I get different answers? I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that. But I've been in interviews where I've maybe talked to three people on a team and 50% of the questions were overlapping and I was just repeating the same answer back. That drives candidates crazy. <laughs> they do not <laughs> well, like that. <laughs> well, and I think it's not a best views for the for the the company, right? It's best not. Use that, time. You're mm-hmm. exactly right, Ramon. I think it goes back to what we were saying, where we had like three hours. You really have like two and a half, three hours to interview someone. Every mm-hmm. single question is super important, and so if you've um, forgive the word waste, but if you kind of threw away three questions yep. by asking the same thing over and over again, then you're the results, the signals that you're trying to use to to make this hiring decision, the results can be a lot, a lot less exciting. Yeah. You, you can make a misfire there for sure. Yeah, totally. What else? What other suggestions do you have? Um, so we, so far we had the rubric and we had validating the questions. Okay, good. We know that preparing is super important. We've talked about yep. that. And then the third one that I would recommend is actually stack ranking what you are evaluating. Mm-hmm. In other words, I would stack rank the skills, competencies, and experiences Mm -hmm. of what's most important. Which skill is going to be most impactful to this role and this Mm -hmm. performance? Which experience is going to be most important for the person to be successful? And the same thing with the competencies. What are the the top two or three competencies that are absolutely required for this person to be successful in this role? Yeah. It's super important, Ramona, because what happens is when we start interviewing people, we get distracted by how wonderful they are. Yeah. We get distracted because they bring something to the table that no other candidate brings. Yes. Or because they remind me of myself or someone I really like working with. (laughs) Remind me of the first person I hired years ago. Yeah, exactly. No, they're going to be great. And this has happened to me as well. And that's very normal. It's very human of us. Yeah. That's why it's so important to make sure that we stack rank and we follow our own plan. Yeah. And then I assume you would also suggest to share that the rubric and even that stack rank of the priorities and the competencies and the skills and experiences with everyone who's participating in the hiring process, right? That's such a, yes. Thank you for bringing that up. And as a manager, that actually is going to be one of your big lifts is Mm -hmm. managing that panel. Mm-hmm. So a lot of work I do with hiring managers is about managing recruiters, yeah. how to manage a recruiter, how to give them information that they can translate and go out and, and find people. But the hiring manager also has to manage the panel. Mm-hmm. And you're the one responsible for telling, you know, your executive, hey, I want you to go in and meet this person. If, if you don't tell me, I will tell you from experience, if you don't give a really strong instructions and guidance to mm-hmm. that executive, they will potentially go anywhere they want with the interview yeah. and could easily derail you. Yeah. Whereas 
usually executives are experts at assessing certain competencies, mm -hmm. experts. And so make sure that they're focused on those, mm -hmm. not the little detailed things, but the competencies that executives are really, really good at assessing. Yeah. So that's the in, planning in fact, that has to be done. Yeah. And as you're saying that, even as I, in, in a lot of the work that I do, helping new managers gain this confidence and competence, and then also expand their influence and visibility in the organization to be seen as a respected uh, leader and a trusted leader in the organization. When you have the opportunity to engage with someone who's outside of, of your direct team, and you're leading that panel, it is, again, your leadership skills that are yes. at displays and that are called for. So stepping in and being really clear and explicit with expectations and with what does success look like at the end of it and what are we after, helping them understand what this person is actually going to do. Because I even find that that's been a challenge in my own uh, experience that sometimes people think, oh, you need someone on this team. Sure, I kind of know what you're doing or I tell you what I need from you, from your team. And so right. I'm a little biased and in interviewing someone who I think will be great for me, but may not understand what is what specific role they're going to hold. Right. And unless you communicate that uh, in a very explicit manner and demonstrating that confidence and maybe a little bit uncertainness and clarity in your communication all along. Thank you. Yeah, thank you yeah. for, and I think that that's one of the key, one of the key challenges for a hiring manager who's about ready to hire is that you really are the communicator in chief mm -hmm. and the conductor of this whole, you know, orchestra. And I think the work that you're talking about how to be a great manager is, I can tell you from working with so many different managers and watching the reactions of, let's say, an executive team, an executive team that's being asked to come in and everything is laid out and they understand what has happened, you know, prior to their conversation, they understand what it is this role is actually going to do. And they understand what the hiring manager is looking for. They come out of those meetings really, really happy yeah, because they feel like, okay, here's someone who has set me up to make an impact. Yeah. And, and so, you know, if you're a manager and you do that for an executive, you're in great shape. That's exactly yeah. how you should be leveraging them. Yeah, it's building your reputation. Yeah. 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 Uh, is there something that specifically for new managers who are maybe new to this and even responding to the questions from candidates that you would say, here is how you make sure that you represent yourself as a leader, and the team, the manager of the team yeah. and the organization really well? That's so awesome. Thank you so much. That is, so here's one of the things that I suggest for managers from the very beginning. And I learned it years ago when I interviewed with, with an executive who made it really, really clear to me why I should work for him mm -hmm. and why working for him was going to be very, very different than working for anyone else. And that as a candidate, it really kind of really woke me up and focused yeah. what I was, what I was looking at. I think as a manager, you need to understand your value proposition. Mm -hmm. Your company is going to have an employer value prop. It could be the logo. It could be the cool thing you're doing. It could be the, the client base that you sell to. It'll, it'll be part of your culture, your company culture. But people work for people. And I think one of the first things that I like to do with new hiring managers is like start to build your brand. Mm -hmm. Understand what makes you different as a manager. And understand what it is. If I were a candidate working for you, what do I get? working for you. Yeah. And so I, I, an example for me is, you know, when I interview recruiters who are new or sort of junior in their role, I really let them know that like, 
I have a history of training recruiters who have gone on to Netflix, Google, Facebook, like yeah. really impressive companies. And I do that because I, I understand my value for a junior recruiter mm-hmm. so that I can help them build those skills and take their career to the next level. And I call that a manager brand. And I think that's something that could really push you to the next level. Mm-hmm. Whereas a lot of managers come in and they sort of fold their arms and like, you know, prove to me that you should work on my team. Yeah. Whereas this is more of an invitation of like, hey, if you earn this spot, it's a good thing for you. You're going to get a lot out of this. And it puts them in a much better position. And they also are more likely to say yes, because they understand that you understand your value to them. Mm -hmm. Well, and specifically in a market like this now, you know, in 2021, where we're seeing the market is, the competition is picking up. A lot of companies are hiring. So for you to set yourself apart and make sure that the, the people that you want, the highest performing ones through the interview par- uh, process, the talents, those are the ones who then actually are also going to say yes to your organization. And in particular for organizations who may not have the biggest financial offer that they can hand out. That's but right. it's a lot more about, let's say, a startup company. It's a lot more about the culture and the learning and the growth opportunity that you need to highlight in the process because they may get a competitive offer from I don't know, Facebook or Google or someone who can is able to pay a lot more versus the startup where there's risk involved. But when they see, ah, when I go here, this leader is going to coach me in all these different ways, which is the stepping stone that will bring me way further down the road. That's right. They're going to invest in my career. This is a boss who actually cares about me and my career. Yeah. And I think that goes over really, really well with people. Yes. I know it goes over with me when I'm a candidate and my experience has been that people respond to that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think even in, you know, the, the leadership accelerator program for new managers that I run with, there's so much that emphasis on this self-awareness and understanding your own strength and your style and, yeah. and how much the value that you bring leveraging all this in all different areas is so important to be effective in your role. And it shows up in interviewing as well. It's really yes. cool to see. Yeah. Nice. Is are there any like favorite questions or any other like things that you want to add or make sure that the listeners would catch and implement? Favorite questions. Yeah, I think, you know, I think the, there's, there's some advice that I'd like to give that is kind of obvious, but I think we sometimes forget. Again, it's so easy to get distracted by this process, mm-hmm. but sometimes I think we don't focus enough on what it is that the candidate is trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. So during this process, I really encourage managers, you're not going to be able to close a candidate. That is, you're not going to be able to get them to accept an offer if you don't really understand what's motivating them mm-hmm. and what's important to them Yeah, and how success at this particular job is going to impact their career. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I think during the recruitment process, we forget about that mm-hmm. on our side, but candidates mm-hmm. don't, they're always thinking about it. Mm. Yeah. So putting yourself in the shoes of the candidates. I think so. Yeah. 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 That's great. I think that's it. Is there something that makes life of a recruiter, an internal recruiter, really hard that you as a hiring manager should pay attention to? Maybe like an unwritten rule that new managers are not aware of? Yeah, that's a great question. Thank you for asking that. (laughs) Like every recruiter in the world right now is thanking you. Um, I think sometimes... uh, 
Here's my philosophy. I've recruited for a lot of different companies, both as a consultant and as a full-time head of TA. Fortune 500 to mom and pop shops. Mm -hmm. And it's a challenging role, but every company can give you different level of support. And that's kind of the, the thing I, I think what I'm trying to make. Every recruiting department has, will have a different level of support and can give you a different level of, of experience. Mm -hmm. What that means for a hiring manager is sometimes you're going to work for a company where like the TA team is amazing mm -hmm. and you'll be able to call them up and they will give you three candidates, you know, within a week that are just perfect. And all you have to do is decide. Yeah. That's pretty rare. It's <laughs> yeah. really rare. And it's usually like big fortune 500s. Mm -hmm. in, in companies that I work in, which are almost always startups or, or companies that are trying to get to the next level, you're going to have a varied level of service from your TA. Sometimes mm -hmm. you'll have people who've been there for a long time. And so they know the market and they know you and they're able to perform. Other times you're going to have what's called RPOs or recruiters just off the street that are thrown mm -hmm. into your recs and you have to start producing with them. Mm -hmm. That's one of the more challenging things to do as a hiring manager. Because mm -hmm. it requires a lot more collaboration, I assume, and like leadership right and there. Leadership. Yeah. And, and that's the point, right, Ramona, is that I think I really want hiring managers, wherever you are, whatever company you're hiring for, you have to take the lead. Yeah. You so it's a bit like if you, if you work with an internal recruiter, maybe this mindset of I'm going to consider this person the assigned recruiter as part of my team. That's right for the time being that we're in this recruiting process. And I'm gonna really explicitly lay out what we're expecting, but I'm also, I guess, asking them, what are resources that you could offer? Because maybe they, especially if they're newer or more junior, they may not be fully aware of all the services that the talent acquisition team, the TA team would That's present right. or that are available. So clarifying upfront, what's the ideal process? What, how can you best support? And then that's here's right. what I expect. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's absolutely critical. And, and here's the other thing that can happen with recruiters is that, especially if you're assigned a brand new recruiter, like we will want to make you happy. Yes. And that tends to be the, the recruiter profile, not all of us, but yes. most of us want to make you happy. Mm -hmm. um, but if you don't really understand what it is they need to do to make you happy, you could actually be giving them some advice that would send them off onto some kind of wild chase that won't produce um, what you're looking for. So yeah. the, the more that you are prepared, the more that you understand this process, the more that you are able to lead this process, the more successful you will be for the rest of your career. Yeah. Whether you have a great recruiting team behind you or whether you've got just a couple of postings and you're, you're looking at resumes. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. That's a great suggestion. Thank you for sharing that. Mark, okay. I want to flip the page for a moment. And as we wrap up this interview, also talk about a common question that I often get asked which has to do with what and how do you behave when you're interested internally in a new position. So let's say you have been working on your team for a while. You might not be in a leadership role and right there you see there's a new opening for a team lead or you've been leading for a while and then you see there's a senior manager role or even a director role opening up somewhere else. Yeah. And you feel like right now you might not get the growth that you're looking for and that could be a great opportunity for you. What do you do in a case like this? Because the challenge that some of my clients have and have brought to me is, well, if I tell my boss that I'm interviewing for this other internal position, 
I might lose all my future promotion opportunities and they may not give me the exciting assignments anymore. I might get reprimanded. What is your suggestions and what should someone do when they're interested in applying to an internal position? Most companies will focus on giving you the opportunity to grow your career. It's really important to them. It's also, you know, you should know as an employee that companies are really concerned about keeping you on board because if you leave every 18 months, which is about what our uh, tenure is in the Bay Area, then that's not a very good investment for them. So there's a business case for the company to really want you to grow your skills and to feel like you could grow your career at their Mm -hmm. company. But most companies really do understand that in order to get the best out of you, which is really what they want, right? In order for that to happen, they need to give you opportunities to grow. And they know that people have to grow or they won't produce as well. Mm -hmm. Like that's something that makes us great producers. That's what makes us great creatives. That's why we can really iterate and come up with some interesting things Mm -hmm. is because we are growing. Most companies really recognize that. And so I think you'll find, I always encourage people to tell your boss, like, hey, I'm looking to do the next thing. How mm-hmm. do I get there? If anyone came to me, I would, I would help them get there. Mm-hmm. And most great managers will do the same. You can, it's hard. You can say, oh, no, they're leaving me. <laughs> yeah. That's hard. But it's also, oh, my gosh, they came to me and asked me for advice. Yeah. Um, so they trust me. So I, I, I really encourage you to go ahead and talk to your manager and to be yeah. really upfront about your career goals with your company. I, and I think you brought out two things here that, that strike me as important. One is the, that it builds trust yeah. and in a relationship and your manager is likely going to be a reference for that new team. That's right. And so when you have that trust in place and you're even showing up and you're being transparent, the likelihood for your manager to then also be on board, having had time to digest the news and then represent you well to that new team is probably beneficial to you. And then the second thing that you said, if your manager is actually not supportive and will reprimand you for saying that, it is probably due time for you anyways to leave. So whether or not that means you're going to look elsewhere outside the company, or you do in fact get that internal role, both of those situations will probably be more beneficial for your overall career growth. And it may just then be another final sign. like, yep, I think I'm feeling stuck here. I got to move on. That's right. If that's the case. All you get from speaking up is more clarity and uh, more clarity and benefits that come out from it. So thanks for sharing that too, because I think I often highlight this importance for building trust and having this transparent conversation and making sure that your manager learns about you applying to these jobs from you and not from some recruiter or some peer and be surprised by the news that could put them into a bad light. So you want to make sure that that doesn't happen for them, but then also how it's actually really beneficial for the organization when you do speak up and when you do look internally and you would, as the last benefit here is that you would get the clarity. If you actually did get reprimanded, that would be a clear sign, time to move on. Right, you'd get some information. You'd get a very clear, clean signal that you could act on. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Mark, it's been so awesome having you on. Thank you for sharing all these tips. I literally, the idea of the rubric and validating your questions and stack ranking these competencies, the skills and the experience 
and the importance of doing all this ahead of time. And even if you know now these roles will open up, you know, after the summer, this is the stuff that you can start doing and discussing with your team and all that and how important it is. This is insights invaluable. Thanks so much for sharing that and being so open and generous with your time and your insights. Thank you, Mark. You're welcome, Ramona, anytime. Thank you. If you love this show, then you love even more my free training for new managers. If you haven't watched this training yet, then I'll strongly encourage you to sign up at RamonaShaw.com forward slash masterclass. You'll discover the key shifts you'll need to make as a new manager and the number one most common mistake to avoid. Plus, you'll walk away with actionable tips that you can apply in your role right away. Go to RamonaShaw.com forward slash masterclass to sign up.